I think I was 23 in Vancouver and had zero income, you know, and it's always hard, right? It's always very difficult at the beginning, but you know, it's like anything, you've got to stay focused and execute and just slowly, slowly, we started from there and then just diversifying and launched a tech company. And, you know, one thing led to another. Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync, where we take a deep dive into the prop tech, multifamily and rental housing industry. In each episode, we uncover the technologies and strategies used to help overcome operational challenges and increase the value of your multifamily investments. So let's get into our conversation today. Welcome back to Sink or Swim. I'm your host, Nicolina Savelli. And on this podcast, I chat with multifamily and prop tech experts to learn how you can reach more renters, sign more leases, and maximize the value of your assets. And today we have Harish Consul founder and CEO of Acro Group, a privately held investment group involved in venture capital and real estate development. Harish, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure, Nicola. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, I'd love to dive in because I know that you're an entrepreneur and that's your background. And I know that it goes well beyond just real estate and development. So I'd like to understand how you've built and operated and invested and successful growth-oriented business across North America, namely in real estate and technology. How did that all happen for you? And what are kind of the biggest lessons you've learned on the way? Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit of a twofold, maybe fourfold question. (laughs) That's great. Happy to. So my background, I'm an engineer and went to MBA school. I'm a native Calgarian, grew up here. And then I moved to Vancouver about 20 years, lived out there and moved back. So, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur ever since I was a kid. Honestly, I was really young and started learning about investments and reading Warren Buffett. And, you know, as a teenager, I bought my first house at 15. So I just really started investing. Wow, 15. Yeah, yeah, it was was fun. And I tell my kids that and they can't believe it, right? Well, I mean, they're probably in a different environment of buying at this time. Yeah, for sure. And and I just, you know, just grew it from there. I mean, I started out as an engineer in real estate development and project management. So I started building a lot of residential commercial properties and then moved more Mm -hmm investment side and I started buying and renovating. And and then when I was in Vancouver, I started a couple of tech companies in my 20s and took a, had a successful IPO, sold that. And then, you know, it just oh, wow. led to there and slowly our fund. And so I spent half my time on real estate, about half on the venture capital tech side. Awesome. And any major lessons that you learned as an investor, whether that be a real estate investor or a tech investor? Yeah, tons of lessons and still learning, right? So a lot of, I mean, I think one of the biggest things on the real estate side is really you've got to be patient. You know, a lot of people really look at the quick flip or trying to make a buck, you know, overnight. And it's just real estate is a very long term you know, patient approach. And I think if you do that, you'll always do well over time if you have the right deals and add value. And so that's probably one of the biggest ones. What else? I think you've got to be diversified. It's really important. So we've got, you know, not only are we in different markets and different deals, but we've got an income portfolio, which provides the cash flows and then a development side, which is obviously longer term, you know, asset build. So yeah, that's really important to have both. I think that was very important through COVID as well to have both of those, a diversified portfolio. Yeah. Totally. For sure. And tech startups, I mean, is it startups that you've invested in or can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, no, happy to. So we don't do pure startups at seed stage. So we do what's called pre-series A, series A. So later stage tech companies that are private 
And the reason we do that is, you know, we like companies that are in revenues, starting revenues. It's, you know, people have a thousand ideas, right? But you've got to execute. And unless you can execute, prove out the model, it's gaining traction and it's growing. That's when we like to get involved. So, yeah, absolutely. We've been an early investor in a lot of different sort of tech companies in Canada and globally. So it's exciting. And, and our, we sort of have three buckets. So obviously the tech is a huge bucket with all the verticals. And then we invest in healthcare, and longevity. And then uh, clean tech, it's a green hydrogen sort of place. Interesting. Interesting. Now, kind of in the same vein of lessons, but do you think you made any, I mean, you bought a house at 15, so I think that was a strong probably business decision, but have there been any decisions that you've made at the time that you really didn't realize were going to set you up for success or as much success? I think for sure. And, you know, made lots of mistakes for sure. But I think I think one of the ones that really helped is, you know, I moved more into the commercial side. I was building multifamily residential for years. That's how most people start. But we moved into the commercial side and built a shopping center and then other retail assets. And I think that really helped because one of the big lessons there is, you know, you've got long-term tenants with five, 10, 20-year leases, where right. residential are turning around six months a year. So there's so much turnover. And, you know, with stable long-term tenants, you can, you know, monetize that asset base over the long term. You can finance it. So it's just, frankly, a lot less work. It's harder, more capital intensive initially. But once yeah. you have the asset and you've leased it, you, know, you sort of sit and forget about it long term. It's right? a little bit of smooth sailing from there. Yeah, It's on cruise control. Yeah, it's a little longer term asset. And there's far less management day to day. And you're not changing somebody's plumbing or leaky or faucet or totally as someone who owns an airbnb i know about that right you know that's like i've got someone there for two weeks and i'm like oh right? i can relax yeah exactly so <laughs> for 10 years get it right so, yeah yeah that's amazing yeah now speaking of that and i don't have that in my questions but for that type of investment how did you guys deal with kind of slow down in retail and things over covid was that still a stable asset for you guys or what happened? It was fairly stable. Um, I mean, I can think of one of our centers that, for example, lost a gym. The gym was shut down during COVID. The gym went bankrupt. We tried to help the tenant and they sort of did a midnight move. So that was very negative for us. And of course, you know, a lot of people suffered, but it's, it's come back quite strong. You know, we're out west in Western Canada. It's a pretty strong market here. And yeah, we more than rebounded after that for sure. And like you said, you have a diversified portfolio, so you were able to kind of overcome that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. So, I mean, you kind of already talked about investing in new technology. So I'm going to just quickly pivot and ask what led you to begin Acro Group? Yeah. No, thanks for the great question. So I, uh, like I was saying, I've always been an entrepreneur ever since I was young. So I worked for a large developer in Vancouver and, you know, I was doing, I was the president of that company. I was doing all the development and financing and deals and being an entrepreneur. I mean, you recognize quickly that, you know what, you do this on our own. You're far better off on your own capital. I had all the relationships. So yeah, I made the big jump finally. And I think I was 23 in Vancouver and had zero income, you know, and it's always hard, right? It's always very difficult at the beginning, but you know, it's like anything, you've got to stay focused and execute and just slowly, slowly, we started from there and then just diversifying and launched a tech company. And, you know, one thing led to another. And yeah, sort of never looked back. Thank God. Yeah. I feel like what you're saying is that you are willing to take a lot of risks early on in your career. 
Is there anything that afforded you that ability to take risks or was that just something that you knew you had to do to be successful? You know, I think that's a great point, Nicole. I mean, I think it's really important to take risks, actually. So no, I couldn't, I couldn't, I wasn't totally stable at the time uh, and very expensive city, right, for somebody in the early 20s. So no, I, I took some risks. I did whatever I could. And I think, you know what, if it doesn't work, you learn, right? You get a great experience. And I think the worst thing is not taking the risk, frankly, because you always think back, you know, 20 years, I wish I could have done this or I should have done that. But you take the risk, you jump in and you learn and you get stronger, right? You get more confident. And I think that resiliency is really helpful for everybody when they're young, any age. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so true. You do get more confident the more risks and investments you take because you're able to kind of overcome, you know, you've learned, you know, you've learned from the past one and you can overcome anything that kind of comes in your way. I think for, you know, I bought my first house and I was like, okay, that wasn't that bad. Then the second one was like, "Mm, this is a little (laughs) bit more complicated when it gets around to the second one. But now it's like, okay, now I did that. Now I've gone prepared. You get stronger. Now, exactly. 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 And if you ever did that, you know, you're always thinking everything. And so we've had lots of adversity and you learn through those, right? And the market downturn in the late nineties, right? I mean, the tech market, the huge crash. So huge losses. But again, you learn, you're more careful. And I think if you don't do that, you don't have those rich experiences in life, right? And then you don't make better decisions later on without the knowledge, right? So it almost sets you up for an upwards trajectory when you sometimes fail, right? Absolutely. So yeah, that's great insight. Now, I understand you have a new development underway, Vertos, in Cochrane, located in the greater Calgary area. Can you tell me a little bit about this project? I know that it's a luxury project and you've kind of branded it in a certain way. So I just wanted to learn a little bit more about that. Sure, sure. That's great. So Cochrane is an area in greater Calgary, just literally 10 minutes west of the city limits. So it's about a nine minute drive from Northwest Calgary. And, you know, it's an amazing area west of Calgary. So you're closer to the mountains. Banff, Banff Gate is 45 minutes from Cochrane. Really outdoor lifestyle city, young, sort of hip vibe. And it's really changing. It's going from this small town vibe to this trendy outdoor lifestyle city. And yeah, we've got an amazing project called Vertos. It's one of many coming up for Acro. And it's a very tech-focused project. So we've got, for example, one of our partners is Shaw. We formed a major partnership. So it's the fastest gigabit Ethernet speeds in Western Canada at Vertos. And, you know, it's all Wi-Fi. And I think the younger crowd, that's really, really important, not only for investors, for rentals, but Mm -hmm. owner occupiers, obviously very high end finishes. It's a waterfront community. So we've got a man-made lake and it's a gorgeous site right along the Bow River. There's a family leisure center right there, grocery anchor. We're doing all the commercial and retail around it. So yeah, pretty excited about it. It's a townhouse project there with uh, garden level condos. Awesome. Now, was there a reason for the location that you chose for this project? Did it just kind of fall in your lap or was it something that you sourced? Yeah, no, we were <laughs> always sourcing the best deals, of course. And so we did a lot of due diligence. And so basically the location is, I don't know how much your audience is familiar with Cochrane. So Cochrane is now the fastest growing municipality in Alberta. Okay. We have a strong listenership in Alberta, so we will have people who probably know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cochrane's the fastest. So, And there's a lot of reasons for that. It's more affordable, closer to the mountains, all of those reasons. Calgary in general, as you know, has an incredible, you know, influx of people right now for a lot of reasons we can talk about because, you know, it's such an amazing quality of life. It's number one in North America, number three in the world now. It's been rated, lowest tax base. You know, we got no rent controls here. 
no sales tax, no DCC charges, no transfer tax. I mean, I can go on and on. And really, it, really, Cochrane is the best of that, being west of Calgary. And you know, one of the things people are starting to realize more and more is we've had a record, record influx of venture capital in tech. So the tech industry is absolutely booming out there. Garmin just relocated their head office to Cochrane, and there's a lot of tech companies going in there. So yeah, it's really exciting. So we look at sort of the macro you know, industry, what's happening in Calgary as general, and then kind of boost that with Cochrane. So yeah, we're super excited about it. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now let's get back to the show. So my next question was really about declining demand. And it sounds like you aren't really experiencing that too much in that area. But have you noticed a change in demand in any of your target markets no, in the last little while? And yeah. if so, has that changed your strategies at all in terms of marketing and around your developments and your projects? Right, right. Great question. We really haven't, Nicola, honestly, because oh, wow. Greater Calgary, like it's literally, we've had a record in migration of population the last quarter ever in the history of the city. And it's not only national, you know, it's all the people from Ontario and BC moving here, right, for jobs, but it's also international. And on the tech side, because we're so familiar with the tech market, a software developer, to give you an example, makes more in Calgary today than Toronto or Vancouver today. And the cost of living is almost a third. So we're extremely affordable. So, you know, it's a no brainer. And I don't know if you've seen our Alberta's posters all over the country now to move to. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's really, you've seen a massive influx. There's so many tech companies that are hiring here. We've got almost zero vacancy in all of our properties. There's wait lists and there's bidding wars for rentals. So it's really, you know, a lot of the press, as you know, is Ontario or, or the West, and it's really not focused. I mean, we've had a lot of attention lately, but it's really, you know, you hate to say we're insulated, but it's a pretty special place right now. And there's a lot of influx. And so we're very bullish on Greater Calgary. Wow, that's great. I mean, I feel like we just did a report and we saw the first decline in I think the major markets like Toronto, Vancouver, and some of the smaller markets as well. But there was also an influx over the last year of immigration. So it was like, is there a balance there between those? Okay, there was just really high demand, very low vacancy. And now maybe we're hitting more of a healthy balance in those areas because we were experiencing the same thing where everyone was competing for a lease. Everyone was on a wait list. And maybe, you know, Alberta, in terms of supply, do you foresee that being a continued issue in Alberta? Alberta with wait lists and things like that? It is a continuous issue because supply is the biggest problem right now. I mean, getting approvals and projects, you know, permits ready to build is, is a very, very long process. And it's really frustrating for us as a developer. That's the longest challenge, biggest risk for us. We've got so much demand. And, you know, keep in mind, Alberta never had the big run up that Toronto and Vancouver had in the last years. It's been pretty slow other than the last couple of years. So we've got a lot of catch up to be doing. And now we're so diversified with tech and it's so affordable. It's a really investor-friendly market. So we're seeing that. We're seeing a lot of investors coming in from Ontario and BC. And we don't see a slowdown at all. We see it accelerating, actually. Yeah. Has interest rates impacted any of your decisions and investments? Because I'm hearing a lot of 
water cooler talk about developers just pulling projects and not going forward because it's just not worth it. What is your take on that? Yeah, no, there's no question. Interest rates will slow down new development for sure. I mean, when you're going from two and a half to five and a half, six and a half rates on prime, for sure, that will slow down. And so, you know, what happened on the development side, sort of those marginal projects will get shelved or they'll go back because the supply chain issues, costs are skyrocketing. So until markets stabilize, we get costs under control, but you know there's still a lot of demand. So you know I think the affordability is the key, right, in any market. And I think again, people will look at Calgary. Is it's just so much more? I mean, we're less than half of Toronto, Vancouver. So there's a significant upside here for us to catch up. And I'll tell you, the rents here are very strong. So in Vertos, for example, our Cochrane project, you're getting twenty two, twenty three hundred a month rent, and you're paying. Three ninety nine, brand new for a townhouse, or you know, three fifty, or you know, four. And how many bedrooms? Three bedrooms, two bed. Three bedroom townhouse for three ninety nine, four hundred thousand. That's renting at two thousand twenty two hundred, and you know, you can't beat those returns. It's very strong rental market. I mean, I would even say, debatably, that's similar to what the environment is here at this point. It's not much more than that because obviously, you also need to realize what people can afford. And if people can't rent, you'll just it'll just say vacant. And if you're saying that people are being paid more in Alberta, then of course they can afford a higher rent. So why not? And they can afford to live there with much more money in their bank account, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So you know, we're seeing, like, for example, we're seeing condos in Brampton or Kitchener at eight, nine hundred thousand, or BC for nine hundred to a million. These are three bedroom townhomes. Here is four hundred, four fifty. Right to buy, yes, exactly. You're, you're right. I mean, interest rates will slow down, but you know, we kind of look beyond that cycle. I mean, I think if you look at the twenty four, I think it'll stabilize and hopefully start to, you know. And I remember rates when they were you know, 18, 19%. I know. I remember that really well. And I remember 15, 16. So people get spoiled, right? Oh, 3%. So I don't think it's the end of the world. I think, you know, real estate will continue to be a great investment. No, absolutely. I think that for those who have gone through the economic cycles that over the last 30, 40, 50 years, they're like, this is nothing to everyone who's maybe just experiencing this for the first time. They're like, oh my gosh, my investments have dropped half in value, whatever. But it's like, yes, but in two years, they're going to go back up, but it'll be okay. I mean, it looks like we're slowing. Sorry, what? Go ahead. I'm just saying long-term, right? Patience. You have to think about it long-term. You can't think, unless you're doing a flip for some investors that might be, but then you have to hold on to it for a little longer and, and pay a little extra in interest. It's not the end of the world for anyone who's making that kind of investment. You always have to be prepared for that kind of thing. You got to so, be prepared and be patient long term and you'll do well, right? Exactly, exactly. Now, I did want to talk to you a bit about branding and marketing and because it's obvious that you guys have a very strong brand around Verto. So oftentimes, you know, we look at a lease up and you start marketing like, two, three months before. How do you look at your lease ups? What is your marketing strategy? Do you think about it even before it's hit the ground? Like we've broken ground. Absolutely. So branding's huge. We're really, really proactive. And I think it's important to, the earlier, the better, frankly. So we always start marketing before we start construction, whether it's pre-sales or rental lease up as well. I mean, so we're a big believer in the earlier marketing of a project for leasing for rentals, for investors is huge because a lot of residents want to know, they want to lock in their unit, they want to select their unit, they want to be assured of their leasing well in advance. 
And so big supporter of that always. And our brand, you know, is quite well known now. It's getting more and more, you know, established as we keep growing. And so Ocro's brand, it will continue to grow. And, and you know, companies that are in that rental management space are critical for us. Right, right. Now, have you seen any marketing strategies? I'm sure you're not the core person who's doing all the marketing, but you probably have a say in the decision-making behind the marketing. Is there any strategies that you've seen really take off in the last few years that you know you really put a lot of your investment into? I know that marketing is an investment. So can you speak to that at all? Sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, we're really tech focused, of course, and a lot of the prop tech companies are in that space. We do a lot of digital media marketing online to target different markets. A lot of the people moving here, we work with the, you know, relocation companies and a lot of the, you know, related companies in our industry, as you know, know as well. So it's really important to have great partnerships and alliances. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. I asked that because I know that print and on-site marketing, you know, over the last few years have kind of, you know, not died down. People still had them, but they knew that they need to overcompensate with digital marketing to really reach the future renter. And I know that a lot of people have pivoted and I just wanted to kind of get your take on whether or not that was like a huge pivot for you guys as well. Yeah, we, we've always been doing that early because of our tech focus. Like we were in it. That makes sense. Yeah, we've been <laughs> online. We're hopefully, you know, considered one of the leaders online in terms of digital marketing and media, we do almost, I would say, less than 5% print. So very little print now. It's almost online. I think that it's so much more interactive as well, right? You know, walkthroughs of suites, you can pick the finishes, the colors, even furnishings. And it's very exciting. And it'll only continue to improve. And I think with the market that you're in, you almost, you've always needed to kind of do that because you're not going to get the foot traffic that the Vancouver, Toronto developments are going to get. So you need to be reaching out via, you know, it's not necessarily a dense market where you're getting that kind of eyeballs on things. So you need to put yourself out there digitally in order to reach the right people, especially if you've got immigration coming in, right? So people are coming in from abroad. How are they going to know about your building? Obviously, you have to get them somehow. So absolutely right. No, 100% for sure. Yeah. Now, can you share any future plans for the Ocro Group? And are you able to share them with us? Sure. Yeah, we've got, you know, so in our community in Vertos and around that community, we've got a lot of other plans coming up including, you know, a second project, second multi-project. We've got all the retail commercial buildings that we're building at Ocro. So we do both commercial and multifamily. In addition, we're launching a new project in North Calgary very soon. So we're looking at several. We're really at the stage now where we're building communities, entirely mixed-use communities with the multifamily, retail, commercial, and really that live-work-play sort of aspect of, uh, and that's what people want. You know, people want everything out their doorstep and the fitness centers and be able to walk along the river, the waterfront and enjoy everything. Right. That's what we're right. focused on. Yeah. And quick question around that area. How is the transportation? Because I know that transportation has become, during COVID, it wasn't a big deal, but now it's becoming more of a big deal to get around and go places and actually travel and do those things. Is that a factor that you've considered in that kind of community? For sure. That's a great point. I mean, transportation is excellent. I mean, Calgary has a train. So we've got a ring road called Stony Trail. So literally from Cochrane to the airport is 30 minutes. So you can get oh, perfect. anywhere. And this That's is west awesome. of Calgary. And then so you can go out west of Banff or you can go to the airport. or So the transportation is really good in Calgary. You know, you're not driving an hour and a half 
one way. It's literally you can get anywhere in 30 minutes from one end to the other end. So it's important. It is. Yeah, it's very important. It's becoming, I think, much more important than it was the last two years now because people are ready to leave their homes and go places and experience things again. And especially, I think, in Alberta because it's such a beautiful place. So Harish, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. I know that your time is precious. I can hear all your notifications going off. (laughs) Everyone's trying to contact you. I just have one last question. If listeners are looking to follow you or interested in learning more about Okra Venture, and group, where should they go? Sure. They can go to our website, acrogroup.com, or find me on LinkedIn. Please reach out and anytime. Happy to help. Thanks for uh, the interview. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep swimming. You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rensink.com forward slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in this show, please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.